Right. Love that. So, you guys, thanks for coming on. Another edition of Raising Hell in Jersey podcast. It's been a long two months since we've done one of these. Kind of hasn't really been much to talk about. Now, with the NHL being back, officially January 13th, the World Juniors starting here Friday, most of the games Saturday. So, without that, I guess we'll dive right into it. Um, Jim, you were talking about it a little bit earlier today, I think, and I know, Alex, you put an article out, so I don't know if you guys want to just start there and kind of dive into it a little bit. Like, what can Devils fans expect here out of the World Juniors? I mean, the Devils got six prospects in the World Juniors. Um, Dawson Mercer for Team Canada. Uh, I was talking with uh, Justin Levine from the Puck Authority the other day on my show about it. He's really high on Mercer, and Devils fans are going to be really excited uh, when he does come into training camp. He's very good at his position of center, and he's going to definitely add depth to this team. And it's a position that, as Devils fans know, uh, is a need, uh, especially with Zajac getting older. And, you know, he brings a lot. He brings that hardworking mentality to a team. And he treats every game like it's his last, which that's what you want. And it, he's out there, first guy out there, last guy out there. So he's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to watch him play on Saturday for Team Canada. I will yeah. put it this way. Um, I wrote about Mercer in an article uh, recently <clears throat> on Puck Authority. Uh, what I think about Mercer's game is when he gets into those board battles, he reminds me a hell of a lot of Patrice Bergeron in that sense. And him being a Newfoundlander, I see that shot of his, like, a young Michael Ryder. And he really does have a good shot. And I would like to see Mercer being that guy, you know, not just playing center, but if he gets kicked out of the faceoff circle for Team Canada, you know, from center to right wing, right wing to center, you know, he could be a very versatile player, you know, for Canada to keep driving the second and third lines. You know, it would be great to see them win gold. Yeah, yeah, I was, I mean, a, little, I was a little surprised that Mercer's uh, been practicing on as an extra for Canada, but they're so stacked down the middle that maybe it's not too much of a surprise. I think if he's going to get like serious minutes for Canada, it's going to have to come on the wing, but he plays both positions, so it's not really too big a deal. Um, like Jim was saying, he has a really good shot. He's a good stick handler. Um, I could see him kind of being, you know, Canada's Swiss Army knife type of player and they just kind of use him in all situations i think it'll be yes. hard for him to get like a really top six role just because canada's got like 21st round or 21st round draft picks on that roster so um, minutes will be hard to come by but he'll get his chance to play at some point and he should probably do pretty well for canada and something devil fans should be excited to see over the next what week and a half yeah before i kind of dive into that I'm just going to tell you guys i was saying to alex and joe before um, until apparently I subscribe again to Zoom, it has me on like a 40 minute time frame, like limit. So we're at like 10 minutes and 35 seconds in. So at 40 minutes, it's going to kick us out. So I'll just, I'll send the invite again and then we'll just do like a second part and then like a third part if we have to. Cause I got to, I got to, apparently I have to subscribe now. It's that okay. You know, that's yeah. part of life. I had to do it. We all had to do it. I mean, it, you know, it's the way that, the way of the world these days with Zoom. But I'm excited for, you know, World Juniors. We're getting hockey, and then we're getting NHL <clears throat> hockey. 
I'm still skeptical, and I want to throw it around the round table um, on this. I'm still skeptical of this January 13th date, um, considering what's going on in Canada with Ontario, BC, and Quebec. You know, Montreal can't practice. Ottawa and Toronto can only do small groups. There has been no clearance yet. BC is still haven't given any clearance yet. And the Sharks are going to start in Arizona for the year. I just don't see January 13th as a possibility. I could see a week later, maybe set the over-under at January 20th. But I want to see what you guys are thinking on that. Yeah, I think, like, for what, for the NHL? Yes. Yeah. I, I don't mind it, like, that it's starting um, – 13th 13th yeah like are the devils gonna be starting on the 13th no no probably schedule not. comes out tomorrow so yeah so okay. chances are the devils are starting first day is probably like slim to none they're gonna want like the leafs and the habs and the oilers and the flames and the canucks and whatever and winnipeg yeah. and edmonton and all them they're gonna want all the canadian teams playing or the pittsburgh washington's but i did the thing i read that i found very interesting is I think Chris Johnston of Sportsnet tweeted it out today. So you're going to, they're doing it like sort of uh, like baseball. So you're going to tr- like take a bus and you would go to say the Devils would go to Madison Square Garden and would play like a three game or a four game straight against the Rangers. And then they would travel back and then they would play four straight at home against somebody and then something like that. Which yeah, I mean, could be I, some home and homes also yeah. with local teams like that. I, I guess, I mean, it's kind of cool because, I mean, if you think about it, like if you end up making the playoffs, like you're going to run into probably one of those teams. So it gives you kind of like an idea to get a feel for that team right off the bat. Like it's basic, in my opinion, it's basically like a best of, was it like a best two of three or best of three, three game series against somebody and you're getting a feel for them going into the regular season if you meet them in the playoffs. I think, I mean, it's kind of cool kind of heats up the rivalry a bit yeah i agree there i think it's cool to have uh a setup like that it's unique we've never had anything like that in the nhl uh but i definitely think they're gonna start january 13th i saw today they just even i think it was earlier this evening they were saying that the latest the stanley cup will be handed out is july 9th so they're gonna have to start on january 13th if that's the case i mean i know canada's kind of you know i don't want to say they're given do the NHL trouble because they're trying to do what's right. But I think when all is said and done that there's not going to be – and I think everyone will end up playing. In Canada, I think if possibly if it, anyone has to move around, it'll be Vancouver and they'll probably find another city for them to play in Canada. So I don't think uh, the January 13th start is really going to be too much in jeopardy. I think that's probably a good bet. That's when the games begin. Mike, well, speaking of this beginning, we actually have something happening within 41 minutes and 30 seconds. It's USA versus Finland in Alberta. So let's talk about that for a moment. So well, I want to hear, but I want to hear Mike's thoughts on the, on the season first. I want to see if he agrees <laughs> because I'm, I'm on the opposing side of January 13th is not the start date. I got two people saying, you know, it is, it's probably going to happen, but I'd like to hear Mike's thoughts on this. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, middle to end of January, I don't really think it makes much of a difference as to when it starts. If we're talking like uh, January, thir- a difference of January 13th or February 13th, then that's when you might sit back and be like, all right, what's going on here? But 
Um, I don't think it makes much of a difference if it's uh, beginning of beginning of January, um, beginning of January, end of January. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what the I'm definitely looking forward to seeing how the uh, schedule format's gonna gonna play out. I I heard too before the weeks leading up to this that they were gonna take a page out of the ML, MLB's book and um, have the same teams play each other three or four times and uh, do, do something like that. So um, I think in that regard, uh, this regular season, you know, it's definitely gonna it's definitely gonna have somewhat of like a playoffy type atmosphere where you're gonna have the same teams play each other for a stretch of time. Um, to my now, um, definitely as long as I've been watching hockey, that'll definitely, that'll definitely be a first. So um, one thing I'm really interested in is if they do that, if they do that during a regular season, I'm interested to see how that's going to transition over in transition over to the playoffs since they're essentially going to be playing the same format. Yeah. I mean, these series, we always talk about, I mean, Jake and I were talking during uh, the summer about like the Yankees schedule, you know, you go into a series, it's like, you look at the standings, you're like, oh, you need to take three or four if you're playing a four-game set, or you need to take two or three. It's like you're going into the season knowing that you have to win two of three. If it's a uh, best of three series, you need to know you have to win at least two games and maybe get, you know, in hockey it's different because you have the loser point. But um, but if you can say take five or six points or four or six points in every series, that's a good that's a good thing and it probably could get you into the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And just you know, from a um from you know, a real, from a realistic point of view, when you look at the teams that are in the Devils division, my expectations really aren't that high for them for being too particularly successful. Having said that, though, his and you know, you might you might have to fact check me on this, but historically, it seems that losing teams always seem to have the best track record against their divisional opponents. So and that could be something that with the Devils in Pittsburgh. I mean, what did the Devils yeah. win like ten straight against Pittsburgh? before they got them before the, the season paused. Yeah. You know, they always come to the, they always come to play against the rain. The, they always come to play against the Rangers. I think uh, until recently they had a bit of a run like that going against the flyers, but um, you know, how they match up against a team, like how they're going to match up against teams like Boston, you know, Boston, Washington, you know, they're going to play them. I think a total Buffalo, of six. They times. really haven't had recent success against Buffalo has been one of those teams that they've given them yeah. trouble. Yeah, and I not think- only have they not had a recent success against Buffalo, Buffalo has been blowing them outright, blowing them out. If yeah. memory serves me correct, I think they outscored them like twenty something odd to six or seven last season. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not expecting Buffalo to like for do much damage like in our division because, I mean, yeah, they signed Hall, and I mean, it looks like like if Dylan Cousins does end up making that team, like they do have a nice balance, like top nine, but like. Is Carter Hutton and like Linus Allmark really that good of a goalie? I don't think they are. Their defense is still terrible too. They didn't really do anything to improve that this offseason. Yeah, like adjustments to the rest of Linen. Yeah, he's he's okay. Like I mean, Ristolainen, he's not what everybody expected him to be, right? Like, yeah, he's he's not that great. I mean, I guess uh, I mean Rasmus Dahlin is obviously their best defenseman, but after that. It's kind of slim pickings, and like you said, their goaltending is not really good. I think they're the worst team in that division. I think they're even worse than the Devils. So, yeah, I think um, the Devils will like they're they're one of that team where like it's going to depend who makes the roster, like comes into camp and makes the roster out of the young guys too, which could play an impact. Like, like let's let's face it, like Ty Smith's probably going to make the roster. Yeah, I'd I be surprised so. if he didn't. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't. Like, Nolan Foot might come. He 
he'll fight for a roster spot, but I feel like he's going to be like one of the guys, unless he lights it up. Like, I feel like he'll be one of the guys that gets like maybe like either. I guess you can't really give him like a ten game like look, can you? So he'll be he'd be well, one seven of the, games. Yeah, now. Six, or, okay, six seven. or seven games now. So you get seven, seven games. games. I feel yeah. like he might be one of the last guys cut. Um, Holtz, I don't think he'll end up going to camp. He has to go back to Sweden, right? Yeah, he's not eligible to come to camp. Okay, so like him Mark getting 11. another him getting another year there is probably a good thing. Um, Mark is the earliest that he can actually leave because that's the last day when they play against Lin Koping. Okay. What about Kevin Val? Yeah, he's interesting. I don't I mean, I don't know how ready he is for the NHL. I mean, physically he's you know, what, six, seven, 240 pounds, but Monster. yeah, I think he would need some time in the AHL. And I, I don't think the AHL is announced like officially when they're restarting, even though they have like a tentative date of February 4th or something like that. What, how do you pronounce the guy's name that the devil's drafted in the fourth round that's coming over to camp that's been lighting the KHL on fire? Oh, oh you, you go, uh, Sharon Govich. You go, Sharon Govich. He's Jim and I were talking. We think he's going to make the roster. Yeah, I, I did an article with uh, one of my writers, Sam uh, Impaglia. If I'm butchering that, I'm sorry. But we did like a projecting the Devils roster kind of piece a couple of weeks ago. And I had Sharon Govich making the team as like a fourth line center or winger. He could probably stick him on the wing. But he's one of those guys that uh, they just called him back from the KHL yesterday, I think, or two days ago. And he's definitely, I wouldn't have said this, you know, if we were like in a normal timeline here and we weren't delayed by anything with COVID, I would have never guessed that he'd be contending for a roster spot this season. But I mean, he just, he was really good in the KHL. And all of a sudden, I think he jumped over guys like Michael McLeod and Nathan Bastion for, you know, a bottom six role. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he does at camp. And he was great in Russia. So um, we'll see. I, I got him on the roster as of now. I got him on my projected roster too, but I got him on a third line. I think everybody's jumped over Nathan Bastian and Michael McLeod at this point. Yeah, I think so too. Like, I don't think – like, they're really bad. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, Bastian, I think, has more upside than McLeod yeah. does. Yes. Yeah, Bastian was actually all right last year in Binghamton, and you know what he's going to be in the NHL. He's going to be a fourth liner. So, it's not <laughs> like anyone ever had top six expectations for him. So maybe he am can. I the, am I the only role. one though that's like when you're watching like the Devils and like McLeod gets called up and say he plays? Am I the only one that's wondering, okay, where's that speed that you had in juniors? Because it looks like his skates are filled with like cement blocks. No, I think he's a pretty good skater. It's just like unless the other. A, what I don't see with him is like on TV. What I don't see with him is like the skill level that he was kind of like supposed to like that playmaking ability he was supposed to have in juniors is just kind of like never really developed since they drafted him. Well, you can well, say the same about Zaka. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think was just, I mean we could go back and forth on the Zaka pick at the time. Yeah, revisionist history in that draft and be like, you know, that was a terrible pick, and we all know it was. But I mean, at the time it was lighting up junior like, oh, well, you got to take the like the leading scorer. But everybody knew it was a bad pick. They knew it was a reach. Jim, yeah. when we were at the time, I don't know if you were hearing anything different, though, like at, at that time. Were you hearing like were the devils leaning like somebody else besides Pavel Zacher with him like there in that range? Like who is it down between besides him? Well, I mean, if you look at the guys that went after him. My yeah. understanding was that they were definitely looking at defensemen 
at that spot. Like one of the guys that got drafted, hell, even one of the other players, like I don't have the draft in front of me and the guys who went after him, but whoever was after him, they were definitely looking at him. And for some reason he jumped off the board. I think it was more of a panic play. And if memory serves me correct, that was one of the last drafts for Lou. What, uh, well, it was yeah, Cheryl was, was the Cheryl. GM, but it was Lou's Conte draft. was yeah, Conte was still the scout. Okay, so draft. I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk that one up to a Lou draft because yeah. Conte was still doing everything. So, I mean, to me, I don't think that was the right play. Obviously, he's never panned out, and and when he's played well, it's more on the wing. He's just not a center. No. No. I, I mean, think he's he's a good power forward. Yeah, I, but, yeah, but he's not a center. It and actually, this it's kind of a good question in in reality to bring that up because you part of this roster, like Lindy Ruff's guy. I mean, he's got some decisions to make, and like Pavel Zak is gonna probably be on the team, but how many more chances can we give this guy? Like he's think- excellent on the penalty kill, but. I think it's kind of a make or break season for him yeah like where, show we, something. Where, you, where you drafted him at six it's like okay like just look at everybody else who was doing yeah like now. joe i think you and i were talking at the time we said rantanen probably should have been the pick and that's who we were hoping we get or something like that but like you know barzell was the guy i wanted at six i said he was the guy who should have won at six but you know these guys always, apparently paid the big bucks to make the decisions, and sometimes they work. Some, but the draft is a crapshoot. It's like gambling. It's a 50-50 shot. Well, yeah. well I mean, nowadays with um, analytics and, uh, you know, you have your – I wouldn't – they're not called team psychologists anymore, but they're there to evaluate players th- through development and mental thinking and all that stuff. Uh, like Dr. Amy Kimball, they're meant to kind of see through that – extra layer of uncertainty so um hadn't they had someone like a dr amy kimball sooner i don't think you have pavel zaka i think you probably get one of those players like ivan Provrov or or varensky type player so who knows what the future would have been had you not picked zaka but that's a different story for another day well i just looked at the draft and Provorov and varensky were taken right after him so that's all you need to know uh, by the way, Varensky was a Paul Castron scouting pick. So, there you true. Go. He did pick him with Columbus. So, there you go. I mean, it, just like I said, look at the two defensemen that went after him, and that's all you really need to know. I mean, there's a lot of guys on that roster that, you know, you could flip around. I mean, it's interesting to me because, like, where – what – like thinking of these line combinations going in, like where's everybody going to fit? Like Andreas Johnson, they just brought him in from Toronto with that trade, which is a good move. I mean, where's he going? Is he, is he playing the top line with he sheer? Are you going to move him down? Is Hughes going to be on the top line? Like where you put your centers, like where's Paul Mary and Gusev going to fit any everything and who is their partner going to be? It's interesting. I know Alex, you and I are pretty much on the same page in this. When you put your tweet out that, it seems like the pretty much the devils are done like for this off season, because if Mikael Granlund's getting 3.7 million, I think that's overpriced for a player like that. And it, out of the devil's range. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they're done in free agency. I wouldn't say they're done on the trade market necessarily. We'll have to see what happens there. 
last last I heard from the the fourth period is that the Devils had interest in Mike Hoffman and sorry to the Mike Hoffman people. I don't think the Devils are going to land him, but I do think Derek Broussard is a good solid bet for the bottom six if no one else impresses um, in preseason training camp. So let's just put it that way. That would be like an insurance policy for PTO. Yeah, Broussard would be okay. I mean, if he's going to play on the third line or the fourth line, it, it would, I guess it would depend on the it would depend on the term. Like, if it was like a one-year deal, like, I don't know, 2.5 or like 1.5 or something like that, even one, I would I would take it. But I mean, no one's getting more than a one-year deal at this no. point. Anyone that signs. Like, I, Carl Soderberg was someone I think I would like for the Devils as like would a – Like 2 million, 2.3 max maybe? For Soderberg? Yeah, like one. Yeah, I saw Pierre Lebrun said he could be had for like 1.5 million, which I think would be great value. Like a one-year deal for 1.5. And so he could add some size to yeah and he can play left wing and center so like you stick him as a third line left winger with zajac or zaka however the rest of that line comes about and you know i think you'd have yourself some depth i did i think the devils definitely need to add another top nine forward before the season starts and they just their depth is pretty terrible to be honest Uh, you can't just count i'm with you like i've watched enough video now like i don't i don't think signing Mike Hoffman is the greatest idea. Like he's really, he's, it's basically like, he's pretty basically good from like one spot on the ice. It was basically like Cam, it's basically like Camilleri, like 2.0, like Camilleri was basically only good from like that hash mark spot. That was it. Yeah. Hoffman's basically a power play specialist at this point. He's, he's a good finisher too. I think if you had like put him on a line with Jack Hughes, he's going to, yeah, he's gonna score some goals, but I would understand uh, if they did it at like this point because it would basically be a bargain. But and you can flip yeah. them at the deadline for exactly, something yeah. So at that point, I'm thinking, okay, like maybe it's not that bad. But what's Mike Hoffman probably gonna get? One year, five million. I would think, yeah, he's, he should get more than Grandland. So I don't, I don't see the devil spending that much on another free agent, even if it's just on a one year deal. I think if Fitz is gonna make another move, it'd be someone like Brassard or. Soderberg in free agency, but I think he's looking at teams who are in tight cap situations, uh, like the Golden Knights and the Lightning. And if he can like weaponize cap space that way, I think that's how that's more likely how they make a move this offseason. But, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see over the next two weeks because something's got to give with some of these teams. And I mean, eventually they're going to have to shed salary. Okay, so we're closing in on 30 minutes. So we're closing in on 10 minutes left in the first part of this. So I'm gonna. There was some. There was some that. Well, wanted... I can follow up with, with the Alex on that with the Tampa Bay Lightning thing. Yes. So we saw Kucherov. He's got a little bit of a hip issue. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he may go on LTIR. The status of Steven Stamkos is still unknown for the start of training camp, and the start of the season. All signs point to he's coming, but that helps them open up cap space if they put those two guys on there because they just signed Chernak and um, Ruda today. Okay, here's a question, Jim. Now, yes. Elliot Freeman kind of said this too, and I was talking about this with my cousin today at work. He's a big Leafs, Leafs fan. So, But we were talking, and I said, Tampa's in cap hell. How 
kind of sketchy and weird all of a sudden that Nikita Kucherov all of a sudden has this injury just before the season starts and there's no talk about it at all through the off season. So we're just going to throw Kucherov on long-term injury reserve. And I'm thinking <laughs> of all the players to put on long-term injury reserve, why are you putting Kucherov on long-term injury reserve? Wouldn't you put like somebody like Johnson or like somebody like that? But I guess it's because Kucherov's making like $9.5 million. Well, so he's, actually, he's actually hurt too. He might need surgery. Yeah. So And yeah. Jim, Jim can back me up on this. That is a Lou Lamorello move. Yo, Robidaw Island, baby. You know about it. Robidaw Island still exists. I don't oh, care yeah. what anybody says. Robidaw Island exists. So Joffrey Lupo's been to Robidaw Island. Obviously named after Stefan Robida. I mean, you've seen him doing it down on the island too. He's got um who well obviously Boychuk. Boychuk legit hurt, but I mean yeah. um but still, I mean, you know, that's how you shed calf space. And to me, and again, I, this I'm gonna throw this to everybody. To me, I was like, why is everybody helping out Vegas? But no one wants to seem to help out Tampa. Now, granted, you know, different situations, but still it's interesting to see Vegas getting help. But Tampa's like, yeah, you guys, you just won. Screw you guys. Joe, what before are you, you I said, before you know it, it's going to be like Vegas all over again. You're going to have Seattle going to be making these pre-mock expansion draft trades because other teams are trying to protect other players. They're trying to exempt. So don't be afraid if there's going to be a – Vegas goal trade protection type last minute moves oh, yeah. um, with the small season that we're having of 56 games. I think the thing with Vegas is that they're reportedly like listening to offers for guys like Max Pacioretty and Jonathan Marcheseau, which, you know, if you're adding either of those guys to your team, it's a significant upgrade. So like, why not? Like in the case of Tampa Bay Lightning, it's like you're not getting Sorelli or Chernak or Sergachev from them. Like if you're going to trade for them, it's probably going to be more for like depth guys. Like we're still good players like Andre Palat or Alex Kalorn or something like that or Tyler Johnson as well. I mean, with Vegas, if you're getting Pacioretty and Marcheseau, Pacioretty's a top line winger and Marcheseau's a top six winger forward. Uh, if you can add one of those guys to your team, I think I mean, that's I why maybe. Basically use either one of them at left wing or right wing. Yeah, I would take Marcheseau in a heartbeat. Yeah, yeah, um, he's, he's a really good player. Um, so, you know, if the Devils can't end up uh, working out something with Tampa or just Tampa just works around this whole thing with LTIR, then I could see them maybe trying to go after Marcheseau in Vegas. I don't know if they would go for Pacioretty because he's got a $7 million cap hit. Um, but, yeah, I think Marcheseau would be a pretty nice upgrade for the Devils. Then he'd definitely help their scoring depth. Question is how how often can you use LTIR until it's maxed out? I, I you know I don't Jim know how might, the CBA works, but I would Jim imagine might know this. Yeah, Jim probably knows this. Yeah, Jim knows but, uh, LTIR. I don't know everything. Let Let's just get that out of the <laughs> way right now. I don't know everything, but I don't think there's a set number on LTIR. I don't think so there either. Like the Leafs use it like to a ridiculous degree. Yeah, when they Clarkson, had like who Nathan else? Horton. Nathan, Nathan Horton. Yeah, a bunch of guys are on LTIR for the Leafs. So yeah. and they were bringing in these contracts last year to mid-year to just get under the cap. I'm like, all right, there has to be a max. And I think I looked it up. There was no max. So, I mean, look, good to take, good to take advantage of the system. I know unless they change something in the new CBA, but I don't really think so. 
with it. Um, but it's crazy to think that, you know, they're just going to use LTIR to get out of your problem. But eventually it's just kicking the can down the road because eventually those guys are coming back. Exactly. Like you can only avoid it for so long. Mike, you got something you want to add? Um, I, yeah, I, I definitely agree with like, you know, utilizing LTIR, like it's definitely a, uh, it's definitely a loophole teams have explored it over the years, you know, you were saying before echoes of Lula Morello, but yeah, I definitely agree that it's more or less just a means of like deferring the cap space. Um, in regards to Tampa though, didn't they wave Tyler Johnson? Early yeah, on? but no one claimed him. So. Okay. But, but like, they're having a hard time. They're having a hard time trying to find a suitor. I think the, Steve Eisenman is trying to make a deal with them because he, he's a guy drafted down there. But, I mean, I don't know if Detroit really wants to give up picks for a guy like that. If they really wanted him, they could have taken him off waivers. Yeah, I think his value is depreciated since he's hit his early 30s, kind of like my age. No, <laughs> no offense, but two hockey players. I mean, the, the younger you are, the more talented you have. I mean, you have a lot of return on investment, but as you get older, you start to wear and tear that, you know, that return on equity really goes down from there. Unless, unless you're Yarmar Yager and you're playing until you're like a hundred. <laughs> or you're Chris Stelios. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Those are the only hockey exceptions you have. Well, I think, but, team, what did Team Solani play? He was like 44? Like 42, yeah. 43, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Well, look at what's his face on Boston. He's what? 43 now? 42? Yeah, Chara. Yeah, 43. Yeah, is 43. Well, it's like the Leafs, right? What do the Leafs have? The Leafs sign, have Spezza, Thornton, Simmons. Frig, there's talks they might sign Perry. And it's like, what? Yeah, so it's like, Leafs Why? Sign, it's like, okay. I got a buddy at work and he's like, yeah, the Leafs are winning the cup. I'm like, yeah, maybe if it was 06 or 07 when half these guys are in their prime, not anymore. It's not. Still need defense, boys. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt about the 2014-2015 uh, Devils. They had Camilleri, they had Camilleri, Yager. They had guys like Thomas Cavalier trying out on the team. And I remember thinking, if this was like six, seven years ago, this Devils team would have been a powerhouse. Oh, yeah. Oh well, Yeah, but that's Lou for you. I mean. Lou, that- yeah. Five, Ryan Chloe, you want five years, 5.5 million, and you've had about 10 concussions? Okay, yeah, here, I'll sign. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, remember, it got clawed. Yeah. Another, another concussion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's serious. I mean, it's crazy that to think like the Devils would um, uh, do something like that like back then. And it's like, it's just Lou. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, I know he's a good general manager, but I'm like, your best days have passed you by. And, I, and yeah. even in Long Island, like he's doing some good things. But how does a contract for Matt Barzell not get done yet? I mean, like, I understand, you know, you already let Tavares walk because you're not going to pay him. Because I know Lou, Lou's still got his rules and Lou ain't going to pay anybody more than X amount of dollars. So if you don't fit into his salary cap, I guess you're not going to play for him. Regarding I understand. Barzell, in, a, in, a, in a way to that, what Jim just said, I'm going to get this in here in the last, like, four, two minutes before. I know we... Mike has a point on Barzell, though. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, it reminds me of when he first hired DeBoer, when why he hasn't, he hasn't signed him a contract yet. He would probably say, when time's on your side, you use it. 
Yeah, status quo, right? Yep. That like time's uh not exactly on his side at this point since like the season's like two weeks away, I guess. Yeah. No, no, three weeks. Yeah. Do they still have to re-sign Ryan Pollock? I think they did that already, right? They did that. I think they signed yeah. Pollock. Yeah. I mean, well, speaking of, I mean, I mean, I know we probably could get into this like in the next part of this thing, but I mean, the Devils don't really have time either with their RFAs either. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. That's a good, actually that's a good one. I'll uh. We'll, we'll table that one. Yeah, let's table that one. I'm going to stop this right now. We'll, let's get, we'll get set up here, and we'll do our next part here, and we'll get going on that, and then we'll quickly get into the World Juniors before we cut out. <clears throat> yep. All right. Yep.